Get your podcast bingo cards out, kids. We're playing Blackout. This is the Veteran Wargamer. This is the Veteran or Wargamer. I'm your host. Welcome to episode 47. In this episode, I speak with previous guest and friend of the show, Nick Nethery, about our favorite World War II movies. Nick, how are you doing today? I am delighted to be here, Jay. Thank you. Uh, doing very well. How are you? Um, I've been better, but uh, you know, I, I can't complain. I've I'm dealing with strep throat at the moment. I can talk. I don't have that that much of a problem there, but it is definitely not, uh, I don't want to put this. It's, it's not that bad and all things considered. I've, I'm pretty, I'm pretty okay. (laughs) How's that for noncommittal? Well, I hope you feel better. Thank you. So world war two movies. I mean, they're within the genre of war movies. You, you've, there have probably been more movies made about World War II than any other war, I think it'd be fair to say. And doing just a top five is is difficult because there's gonna be so many great movies that we're that we're gonna miss. But I, I think it's worth talking about and maybe in the future we could even do a, you know, a top five Pacific and top five European and top five Mediterranean and you know top five comedies and top five foreign films and and you know we could go on and on and on we could probably do a podcast a multi episode podcast just on World War Two movies. Yeah, I I think so. You, you could you could denote a lot of you could dedicate a lot of episodes to various individual battles even. Oh yeah, oh uh, yeah. You, you could definitely do a an overlord uh, episode easy, you know, only North Africa or only Stalingrad, etc. Right. Well, it's worth, it's worth noting that we are Americans. So there are quite a few, what we'd consider foreign language films that we're not mentioning for a variety of reasons. In some cases, we probably haven't even seen them or heard of them. So, uh, I did give the listeners an opportunity to chime in with their choices, so we'll we will be uh, taking a look at Twitter and Facebook for their responses later on. Uh, we were hoping to be joined by the the Cajun counselor Dave Tubbs, but he is uh, otherwise engaged. But Nick and I'll crack on, and we'll we'll see where this where this takes us. So number five, let's start with number five. Nick, what do you think? So I, I should say, preface this by saying these aren't necessarily in my, my five is my fifth favorite. Uh, these are just five of my favorites. Um, but so what I put for number five was Enemy at the Gates, mm-hmm. which I understand there's some problems with historically. And I understand that it's not a great Stalingrad movie necessarily, but I think for English language Stalingrad movies, that were kind of uh, widely promoted and consumed by the movie viewing public. It's one of the better known. It does capture that just, I mean, 
it, it, the suffering is so widespread that it can't even be called evil by this point. It's just, it's just making the donuts on both sides, you know? So, yeah. and, and that just kind of relentless, like none of this is personal. Your utter torment is not personal. This is just the machine grinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like that atmosphere and it's difficult to catch sometimes. And sometimes big name stars don't want to be in those roles, you know? Uh, so I, I like that it is a is a better known Stalingrad movie that I think didn't didn't do too bad a job. And I'm also I'm always a sucker for a sniper movie. Um, I am a I am a frustrated sniper at heart. Uh, I, I, I came very close to dropping my dropping my uh, ROTC contract when I found out snipers uh, officers can't be snipers, <laughs> at least back then. Um, yeah. And I mean, that, that's how much I, I really wanted to be. I mean, I, as I go, as I get older, I'm not that good anymore, but man, when I was a Lieutenant, I was, I was really good. Um, mm-hmm. so I always wanted to go to designated marksman school and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, you just never get to do that as a, as an O. Um, so for both of those reasons, Stalingrad movie and a sniper movie, and it has the incredible, just devastatingly sexy Rachel Vice. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, I think, I, I mean, I would, I would pay money to watch her just read out of the phone book. That's how yeah. uh, she is just so, and it's not just her appearance. She just has an air about her. She's i uh, I've always liked her from, I think I, I think the mummy was the first thing I saw her in, but um, she's just, oh, yeah. Uh, and I, yeah. and I really like to the, the cat and mouse. I mean, this is sort of common in sniper movies, but I also really like the cat and mouse between, uh, between Jude Law and, uh, who was that? Ed, uh, Ed, Ed Harris. Yeah. Ed Harris. That's right. Yeah. Um, so not going to belabor it a ton, but, um, I, I really do like it, uh, for all of those reasons. And I want to throw a, a reference to a previous episode that you had also, uh, the very first scene when they're crossing the Volga on those boats and, uh, and they're, you know, one of the commissars gives the, he gives the one guy a rifle and he gives the other guy a, a stripper clip. And he says, when the guy in front of you drops the rifle, pick that up and reload it. That's, that's exactly the first scene in, I believe it's the very first medal of honor game, which we discussed in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, video games episode. So yeah, that, that's another reason it's special to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, there are quite a few complaints about the movie and, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to defend some of those complaints. Well, I'm going to defend the, what they're complaining about, I guess I should say. Um, people complain about the, you know, there's people complain about the love story. Well, I think, you know, to be quite honest with you, it's, it, it's nice to see someone recognizing that yes, love carries on in, in these terrible, horrible situations. And sometimes it's not even love is just, you know, two people trying to make a, any type of human connection. You just don't want to be alone when you think you're so close to death. Right. And, you know, I, I can appreciate the, the movie for that, for sure. Um, so there's that. And you can see it with the, uh, with the male and female sniper team. I, I forget their names, but. Um, they looked more ethnically Kazakh to me than, than ethnic Russian. But yeah, I, I know who you're talking about. Uh, so, you know, you've got, you've got that going on and it, it showed also with, and it showed also with the, uh, you know, the family that, 
that the Rachel Vice character uh, has, you know, it illustrates that, you know, there there were people living in Stalingrad even at the height of the of the battle. And they had to do what they had to do to survive. And, you know, some of them did stuff like, you know, polished boots of German majors and, you know, what exact, you know, whatever they could do. And I think it's an interesting and underappreciated take that we we don't get to see because a lot of times if they're civilians, it's just a. Uh, I don't want to use the word. I don't use the word throwaway, but they're just you know they're part of the background, and you know it's nice to see. Uh, civilians depicted in a war movie as something other than just you know set dressing right something other than a throwaway character right and uh, i it's not my favorite Stalingrad movie we'll get to that here in a little bit but yeah it it does show well i think it speaks something to the the battle itself that on our on our respective list we both picked a movie set in Stalingrad you know it 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 that battle holds a place in the collective consciousness that I don't think any other that any other battle inhabits. There are there are definitely more well known battles, and there are definitely more more studied battles. But for the for the just the complete drain on both countries and the symbology that's wrapped up in in that place and that time for both countries is I don't, I don't think it's matched by anything else if that makes sense no yeah absolutely so moving on we'll talk about my number five which is the great raid yes u.s army in the pacific that's why i picked this movie um the the Great Raid is is a good movie in and of itself. Uh, if you're not familiar, it tells a story of a ranger company that is sent to liberate a Japanese POW camp in the Philippines. And uh, anything about the Philippines in 44 and 45 is going to get a thumbs up for me because my the unit that I deployed to Afghanistan with was in the Philippines in 44 and 45. So it's it's got a, a personal connection for me that way. Um, the Great Ray is just a, is just an all around good movie, though. It really demonstrates, or I should say, it, it illustrates how one goes about preparing for a particular mission. And there's a really neat scene in it where they're going over the plan with uh, all the uh, all the leaders. Uh, I think it's like squad leaders and above they're going through basically what we call an op order briefing an op order operation order briefing uh these days and it just goes step by step and tells you exactly what their plan was and it's presented very well and it's got all sorts of great actors and it's got benjamin brad it's got james franco um they're two great actors and it's one of those it's one of those situations where proper planning and proper preparation leads to a pitch perfect uh, execution and it and it really happened that way and it's uh, 
it's just a really all around great movie. And I, I gotta say, I appreciate that they're talking about the U S army in the Pacific. Cause it's, you know, it wasn't all Marines in the Pacific. You know, you had the, the army going up the, the South and West. And then you had the, the Marines in the, in the central Pacific, but you know, there were, there were more army troops in the Pacific than there were Marines. And that is, that is a hill I will die on if I have to. You've also got, uh, you've also got Joseph Fiennes in this movie. Mm. You've got a, at the time, almost unknown Sam Worthington. Uh, and then of course, by law, as we all know, by, by international law, if you're making a world war two movie, you must cast Dale die at least in a bit part. And you've also got him in there. So <laughs> Yeah. It's got uh, it's got everybody. Yeah, it's it's definitely worth it, it's it's worth watching over and over again. It's it's very good. Um, I think we'll see Dale die here later on the list, also. Um, In every single one. <laughs> not quite, not quite, but um, yeah, it's I I can't say enough good about that movie. It's 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 that good and it's definitely it's definitely underappreciated and um yeah so whether by hook or by crook we both picked uh movies with joseph fines in them uh for our number five it's a conspiracy it is <laughs> well let's move on to number four and I, I definitely looking at the show notes i i definitely like your number four some there's some rivet counter issues with with your number four, but I can dismiss those because it is a damn it is a damn fine watch. So, you know, I I understand the inclination of subject matter experts to pick apart a movie about their thing. Uh, as a bomb technician, I'm not even going to say the name of, the, of this certain movie, but. <laughs> I, I can I find so many faults with it. I'm sure fighter pilots have a huge problem with, you know, Top Gun and, and fighter pilot movies. I'm sure firefighters have a huge problem with backdraft in, in some areas. But coming at it as a movie viewer and not a not as a subject matter expert, I, I think I mean unless it's something egregious like, you know, Americans wearing German pattern camouflage. I mean, if it's, if it's something that bad, yeah, but I I don't need to, yeah, I don't need to count the number of armor plates on, on every tank. I don't need to pause every scene and ruin it for my family watching with me. So I, so my number four, and, and I realize there are some problems, like you said, with it historically fury, I think, I mean, probably in the last 10 years, might be up there with Sicario as my favorite movie made in the last 10 years and and it, and it, and it narrowly edged out by Sicario but I, I I love a good tank movie the problem was we don't really make them much anymore you know mm-hmm. uh, you find a lot of that you know the last generation of movies I don't and actually I have one later on you don't see much of that I, I can't even think of the last English language tank movie made that wasn't just awful other than Fury. Um, there's a there's a pretty terrible one uh, on Netflix called I think Tank 432 that don't even don't even waste your time. It's awful. Um, there, there's a couple others, but Fury, I think I mean, we make infantry movies, we make 
we're even starting to make if if the mighty eighth will ever come out we're, we're even making bomber movies again you know which we haven't in a generation uh right. we make navy movies they're pretty common um we make marine movies left and right but but i i don't remember a movie that's that's recent that captures the just the resignation to your fate that those men had when they climbed into into those smelly metal death traps. I mean, the best that you could hope for is that you die quickly. You know, I mean, the, the attrition rate, we talk about the attrition rate for bomber wings. We talk about the attrition rate for certain infantry units in different battles, but there were, uh, there were engagements armor on armor where, the, the chances of you surviving in an American tank, especially the little ones that we made, dropped to almost nothing. And we don't remember, we remember, I mean, I, I was a paratrooper, so, you know, I'm, it's not like I don't, I don't know the sacrifice. Believe me, I had that history drilled into me in all of the airborne units I was in. And it's not that we don't appreciate any branch or MOS, but we forget nowadays because we haven't fought a tank war, I think in a couple generations, we forget how attritive it was and how it just ate men. Uh, I really liked the casting. I wasn't sure about, uh, uh, what's his name? The kid from transformers. I wasn't sure about him. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't sure about him when I saw the trailers, but even he worked out. I thought, yeah. I thought the cat, the acting was exquisite. The, and you could see it not just in, in Brad Pitt's crew, but in the, like with the other tanks, when they were doing movement to contact or when they were doing escort, mm-hmm. you could just see them, the other uh, tank, uh, the other tank commanders as they climbed up into their rigs, like, yeah, well, we're probably going to die before we make it to, you know, to dinner tonight. So I'll, you know, I'll see you guys in hell. I mean, it just, it, I liked it. I liked it. I just, it's one of those movies I can pick it up at any point and continue watching it uh, and, and enjoy it. Um, I personally could have done without some of the scenes in that French village where they meet those girls. I felt that that, that was kind of, that felt like a late rewrite insert that, that yeah. they were trying to show some of the civilian impact. I mean, but I understand, I understand why they did that, but, um, I really liked it. I also think, and I've, I think I've said this before, if you love fury and you haven't seen the beast, you need to rectify your life. You need to go out right now. And it's, it's kind of hard to find depending on what streaming service you use or, or, you know, but, um, yeah, obviously not a world war two movie, but kind of related because I believe the tank commander in that movie is himself a Stalingrad vet. Right. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward, you know, 30 years and there he's, a, he's now in Afghanistan as an old man. But so, yeah, definitely. Uh, hopefully you've all seen Fury, but uh, you know, if you haven't seen the older movie, the beast really just fantastic movie. And I think must see if you consider yourself a aficionado of tanker movies. Yeah, last last time I saw the beast, I was in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's a really yeah, Fury is a very good experience. Uh, 
you know, there, you know, again, there are some rivet counting issues, but other than that, I mean, it, it tells a story. It doesn't insert too many extraneous, uh, issues. Um, I, th- I think the scene with the German women is, I don't want to say it's gratuitous. I'm not, I'm not so sure that it's as necessary. It, it definitely could have been done a lot better, although I can definitely see, I don't want to say a need, but a, a place for illustrating that, you know, American soldiers weren't the white knights that previous uh, media like to put them up as. You know, they were, you know, there there were plenty of war crimes committed by American troops. And you see that with, you know, summary executions of, of uh, SS officers and, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and other just less serious, I, you know, jerk moves, you know? I mean, what yeah, guys would go yeah, out of their it, way it, to it insult definitely. French or, 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 or Belgian civilians, that they didn't need to do that, you know? So, um, it does an excellent job of illustrating, like you said, the, you know, the, the forlorn, uh, resignation. The hopelessness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's a, there's a book that I, I need to pick up, uh, called Death Traps. And it's written by Belton Cooper. Uh, Cooper was a maintenance officer in the third, uh, third armored division during world war two. And he, uh, he, he got, you know, he doesn't pull any punches. He goes right through, uh, he goes right through the, you know, the war and what, what they had to do to keep these tanks moving. Cause they were replacing, you know, when they, they replaced tank crews more often than they replaced tanks. Cause the tank itself is actually pretty resilient to damage. Yeah. It'll keep operating when it's got you know, significant numbers or a significant amount of damage. You know, it's those it's those meat sacks that are <laughs> that are operating it that that are that are susceptible to damage. And uh, looking at the Wikipedia page for Death Traps, it says that uh, uh, Death Traps was one of the inspirations behind director David Ayer's 2014. Oh wow! So, um, if you ever watched History Channel in the late '90s and early 2000s, uh, anytime tanks were mentioned, it seemed like they had uh, an interview session with Belton Cooper in it. Um, so, definitely want to take a look at that. Um, unfortunately, I don't read, so I'll have to. <laughs> I'll have to see if it's on audiobook. Maybe you can have it read to you. Well, that'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the long and the short of it is Fury is, is an excellent look at at a at an angle that we don't often get to see. Oh. My number four, sticking with tanks, is Pat. Nice. And, um, it was the first World War II movie I remember seeing as a as a wee lad. Um, my grandmother had it on laser disc. Yeah. My grandmother had a laser disc player 
and I remember specifically she had Patton, Tora, 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 and Star Wars for some awesome. reason. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how many times I watched it uh, on drill weekends. My dad would would send me out to stay with my grandmother uh, when he was in the Texas Guard still, the National Guard. And I, I wouldn't say I watched it every weekend I was out there, but I watched it enough. Um, it is, it's a war movie in that it was set during a war, but it is definitely more of a character study of... Right. And, um, I mean, you've got to keep that in mind. Um, just as a, just as a personal connection to, uh, the man himself, uh, one of his personal aides, uh, I forget his name, but he was from, uh, here in Pike County and the first medic on the scene of his car crash in Belgium was from here in Pike County also. Both of whom uh, have have uh, passed on, but they were both uh, customers of my barbershop. Wow, that's fascinating. So, anyhow, uh, back, you know, it's not about me. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, it, it, you gotta like, you gotta like Patton, you gotta like, um, you know, it's, for its time, it's actually a pretty gritty movie for its time. You know, made in the early seventies. Uh, when you, you know, they say that every every war movie is an anti-war movie, and you can definitely make that a make that argument about Patton. Uh, you know, George C. Scott was awarded a an Academy Award for his portrayal of of General Patton, and. Uh, he so famously declined to attend the ceremony and had his uh, had his award um, presented to a Native American woman as a form of protest. But anyhow, um, also the first movie we've mentioned that I don't, uh, that I recall at least that was parodied in The Simpsons. No, <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to like a, a Simpsons parody. At this point, though, they're in their what, eighty eighth season, Roughly, or something like yeah. that. You know, <laughs> yeah. There, there's not much that they have neither that they haven't already either parodied or already predicted. So, uh, it, the movie is a little long in the tooth. I don't want to say long in the tooth. It, it it does drag on a little bit. I think it probably could have been tightened up here or there. Um, illustrating his. Uh, his rivalry with Montgomery is that's extremely yep. well done. Uh, his for you know his megalomania is very well illustrated. I mean it's it's also well documented, so that it's not much of a stretch. But uh, you know, just you know, one of the best quotes in it is is I think probably one of my favorite quotes of any movie. Um, and unfortunately it's a, I think it's someone is, someone is misquoting him in the movie, misquoting, uh, I think it's Clausewitz, 
who says, uh, Audas, Audas, toujours Audas, you know, pardon my terrible French, <laughs> audacity, audacity, always yeah. audacity. Um, it's, it's, I think that could have been better. That could have been illustrated better with the order he did actually give at one point, which was in the absence of other orders attack. And, um, it, yeah, it's got the wrong equipment, you know, it's trying to use M48s for, for German tanks, but you know, that, that's just an indicator of the times that they were, that they were in. Um, I like the, I like how they have the, uh, German Intel officer basically doing a, uh, character study on him. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it really illustrates the transition from the more optimistic war movies of the fifties and sixties into, I don't want to say realistic, but more embittered or cynical war movies that came in the seventies, you know, your, your mash, uh, you know, you've got a, you've got a movie on this list here in a, in a little bit that illustrates that as well. So just from a, from a film standpoint, I think it, uh, it, it's an interesting touchstone with, to see how, uh, how war movies evolved through the ages. Cause it's, it's right on that precipice between, uh, it's right on that precipice between the more positive look and the cynical, uh, negative, pessimistic look. I guess you could say. Which I'm gonna go ahead and jump into number three. Sure, go ahead. If you don't do it because it is. I could easily make this number one. Um, unfortunately, I've said on the on the show previously what my number one is, but um, Stalag Seventeen. Um, Stalag Seventeen is just a great movie. It's got. It's it's set in a German POW camp uh, for uh, American airmen, and it's basically, you know, it, it takes a look at life in a German POW camp, but also looks at uh, some of the ways that they simply survived, and uh, it it. There's a little bit of a mystery to it. It's uh, kind of a, not quite a whodunit, but long story short, they, they end up looking for a suspected German spy in their midst. Uh, there is a term, I, I forget the term, but they, they, they had a term for uh, double agents that they inserted into, that the Germans would insert into prison camp populations. I forget it at the moment, but... Uh, Solic 17 is interesting because it was originally a play that was written by an actual former POW. So, and he's in the movie also. Uh, if you've seen the movie, the the character who plays Joey, uh, or the actor who plays Joey, is the original playwright who himself was in uh, was in a uh, POW camp. It's it's got a terrific cast. It's got the uh, 
Let's see. Taking a look at Wikipedia real quick. Just to, well, for one thing, it's directed by Billy Wilder. Right. And you can't get yeah. better than that. Um, oh, let's see. It's based on the play by Donald Bevan and Edmund Turchinsky. I'm trying to see who's which one is who. <laughs> okay, interesting. So, both Bevan and Turchinsky are in the movie. And uh, Bevan is the one who plays Joey. Um, Turchinsky plays the... Uh, uh, plays the guy who uh, gets a letter from his wife in, in it. But anyway... Um, I mean, for crying out loud, it's got William Holden, Otto Preminger, a very young Peter Graves. Uh, if you're not, if you haven't seen it already, you, you definitely need to, you definitely need to take a look at it. It's, it's spectacular. Um, so I'm just getting a message that, uh, Mr. Mr. Tubbs is nearly an hour late. So, anyhow, um, we can we can shoehorn them. Yeah, sure. Uh, Gil Stratton, you failed to mention, also. Oh yeah, famous uh, famous uh, 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 sports caster type person. Just a fantastic movie. It's it's unappre- I don't want to say it's unappreciated. It's underappreciated. I think. Um, there are some very deep scenes of emotion and there is some action. There's some humor. I mean, it's, it's got something for everybody just about, um, it's, if, if you have, in fact, I'm probably going to go as soon as I'm done with this, actually, I'm going to, I'm homesick from work today, but I'm going to go and see if I can't find it on a streaming service somewhere. And, you know, failing that, just buy it and stream it that way. But anyway, um, yeah, definitely check it out. Stalag 17. It's, it's worth the price of admission. And if I heart, if I hadn't already hitched my, my car to one particular horse, it could easily be my number one. That's good. I like, uh, I like the, I like the classics. I've recently got back in back, gotten back into watching the, the classic movies that were made. Uh, one of my honorable mentions is, in particular, I really like that it, it stars a lot of the men who actually fought those battles. You know, I, I, I like the older stuff. And once you get past about 70, those guys are too old to star in movies about things that they've done, you know? So, um, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, but I, I do, I do like it a lot. And I think you, you, yeah. One of your entries too, uh, uh, later on, there's, there's guys, there's guys in the battles that they, you know, depict that uh, were in some of those battles as, you know, as much younger soldiers. But uh, and it, it, it's also prison camp movies are kind of they're a, they're a weird genre to, to do right. You know, I don't think that um, what was the one with where they did a fake trial? Hearts War. Yeah, that's that's what it was. I don't think that that was what yeah. very well done at all. Uh, I think they're ha- I think they're like like haunted house movies in the horror genre. I think you have to get them really right to get them right, but when you do, you can just knock it out of the park. Um, 
So uh, it's it's interesting to me to to see good good prison camp movies, which is why I actually have one in <laughs> in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it's yeah. I I can't say enough good things about Stalag Seventeen. So rather than make this an episode about Stalag Seventeen, we should probably move on to uh, your number three. Yeah. So this is kind of an outlier. Uh, not that it's not a well-known movie. It's just, I think it's a lot of times thought of more as almost a comedy than, a than a, than an act, you know, an action or a drama. But, uh, I really love Kelly's heroes. And I know, again, I'm, I'm sure you're going to get angry tweets from people saying how, you know, how completely ahistorical that movie is. And there's all these flaws and (laughs) none of the, none of these guys from these disparate units well, would ever have even been in the same region, let alone serve together in the, in the same patrol they go on. And the t- I mean, I got all that, but sometimes it, you have to. In, in my, in, in my listener's defense, um, I, I think they see, I, they see the movie for what it is and those types of complaints get put away. Well, I hope so because it's, I mean, it's just so, a delight from the very first yeah. From the very first, yeah. that that ridiculous scene where they're interviewing that drunk German intel officer that they've captured, and the whole plan—I mean, mm-hmm. I'm—I like—I like movies that are disguised as something else, you know, which is why I like Tucker and Dale versus Evil. You know, that's a very—that's a very hard comedy disguised as a horror movie. I like—I like this because it's a heist yeah. movie disguised as a war movie. And I don't know. It just that just speaks to something in me that I don't. I, maybe I need therapy for it or something. But I I love bringing together, just like any good heist movie, bringing together all of these guys with probably a lot of very, you know, divergent interests and goals, forming them into one little unit, and uh, and pulling off the plan. And I I like the point it makes about. Well, maybe leadership to pull off a heist is the same as combat leadership, you know, and you can argue about that. I mean, I'm sure we could argue about that for forever, but I like the I like the the comparison it makes there that just the the tacit comparison that they don't really go out of their way to elucidate it. But it's it's there if you squint and read in between the lines. And Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, you just can't not appreciate especially if you have been deployed to Iraq ever and rolled outside the gate that you can't not appreciate oddball blaring right of the Valkyries when they're rolling into battle, because I mean, that's every, every patrol I ever went on. It was, it might not have been right of the Valkyries. It might've been puddle of mud or something terrible like that, but somebody was, somebody was blaring something to get the guys pumped up. And I think, I think that's directly inspired by, well, obviously, there's been bagpipes for thousands of years, et cetera, drummers. But as far as like mounting stereo speakers on your your combat vehicle, uh, that's that's right from Kelly's Heroes. Yeah, yeah, it's there's so much. It's just so quotable, you know. There's yeah. so many great lines <laughs> in it that you can, <laughs> you know, maybe once. Maybe he wants to make a deal. What kind of deal? A deal, deal. Maybe the guy's a Republican. Or, or when, uh, or when Oddball keeps talking about, was it the vibes or the waves? Uh, yeah, the negative waves. The negative waves. Hey, why don't I you just, mess up with uh, the negative waves? 
there's I can't think of a bad scene. It's just it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's just so spectacular from from start to finish and it's yeah, it I I can't say enough good about it and you know, I, I think they hired the entire Yugoslavian <laughs> army to be in it. So that <laughs> right. that's got it going for it also. So <laughs> And and again, it's you know, around that same time frame as Patton where you know, you are moving from the optimistic, for lack of a better term, or positive portrayals of military to a more negative and or pessimistic And you don't have to say portrayal. that they're evil, but they're not and all as pure as the driven snow, you know? No, certainly not. Um, and, and there's another movie that stars a lot of the same people, uh, Dirty Dozen, which kind of does this, you know, it, it definitely says the same thing in right. a different way. Um, but they're, they... You know, in in a way, the characters in the Dirty Dozen are redeemed, whereas the characters in Kelly's Heroes they they certainly are not. I mean they they get away with with their you know amoral or immoral, depending on which view you want to take. Uh, you know, they get away with it. So I guess you know, good for them, right? It also echoes a. Uh, 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 much later movie, uh, Three Kings, is I think kind of an homage to Kelly's Heroes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Three Kings is interesting. I mean, they've got, I mean, there's civil affairs reservists. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I got really excited the first time I saw a poster for Three Kings. Says, hey, that's my patch. You know, with Psyop yeah. and civil affairs being under the same command, and. Uh, yeah, not so much. <laughs> they are not, uh, you know, they're not the brightest, brightest bulbs in the yeah. in the uh, lamp in that movie. So, yeah, Kelly's Heroes definitely, definitely worthy of any top five list for sure. Oh, well, we will go ahead and move on to number two, and uh, I'll take lead go on ahead. this if you don't mind, and. My number two is Stalingrad. Uh, we had one Stalingrad movie. Now we've got another Stalingrad movie. Uh, this is the 1993 German version. There was a Russian version that came out in like 2014 or something like that. And the first time I saw Stalingrad, I was at uh, the Marshall Center in Garmisch, Partenkirchen. And Dan Simmons and I watched. Uh, I was there for Silver Croatian refresher yeah language training and we watched stalingrad over this is 1997 and we watched it over the over the air on german tv no subtitles but right. we knew exactly what was going on and it is both visceral and horrific and awful and gut-wrenching and terrible uh without being gratuitously gory and it, it really illustrates how bad indeed things can get. Um, it is probably the most visceral and emotional experience I've had watching a war movie, for sure. Um, possibly until we get to your number one. Um, and the thing is, it starts out it starts out all sunny and great <laughs> for 
you know, it, it starts out with the, uh, with the unit that's depicted in the film. They start out in, uh, basically on, on leave in Italy, you know, after getting withdrawn from North Africa and they're getting their, you know, their iron crosses awarded and everything's all great. And they're hanging out on the beach and, uh, commiserating with the local females and all that. And then it shows them getting on a train and they get off the train there in Stalingrad. And it's, have you seen no, it? No, no, I haven't. I, haven't I, seen it. I, I am as an expat. I am, uh, oh. the, the movies I have available on streaming as, has has shrank quite a bit for me, but I do. I, it's on my list. Yeah, it. I'll put it this way: it's worth going to buy. Go, you know, borrow or do something to get a PAL uh, <laughs> TV and uh, uh, DVD player, or maybe you can do DV, you know, PAL DVD to HDMI. I don't know how all that crap works. I don't have to worry about it. But go and get it. Um, it's it's worth seeing. Being a Stalingrad nut yourself, you you'll definitely appreciate it. I and, do. Uh, I do have the Russian version. They're not infantry on uh, German Netflix here. The problem is they only have German subtitles, and I'm not quite that. I'm not quite there yet. So, yeah. Now, Cap. You know, just to be fair, I've not seen the Russian one, so I can't comment on it. Um, the German one is just brutal. It is it's it's a bu- it's a brutal experience to watch it and. Uh, yeah, I I can't really say much more than that about it. It's it's at times you know at times it's shot beautifully, you know there's beautiful cinematography not in not in the vistas or the views because I mean let's face it it's it's pretty bleak. I mean it's it's a dystopian hellscape of a you know Soviet a, a destroyed Soviet city. And but the technical, the technical aspects of the shooting are beautiful, even if what it's showing is not beautiful. If that oh makes yeah, sense. I understand. And uh, even though it's this huge battle, they basically stay with this one squad of of assault pioneers, of assault engineers, and shows them going from you know the heyday and on leave in Italy, and then they go, they get on a train and they goes all the way to when uh, when Paula surrenders and it's it's just brutal uh, that's the only way to describe it. it even though I spent probably like five minutes pontificating about it yeah if, if you want to see the brutality of war including the brutality imposed on civilians then that is you don't have to look much further than to watch Stalingrad okay cool uh, before we move on from Stalingrad, because I think this is probably the last Stalingrad movie we're going to talk about, I should say too, it's not a uh, it's not a World War II movie, but uh, uh, Jason Isaacs playing Zhukov in the Death of Stalin is awesome. I just if if for if for <laughs> no other reason than just to see, and he's only in the movie for about ten minutes. He comes in right at the end. But yeah, he's just a brute. He's an old street fighting. So you know he he just comes in and he's just brutal and funny. Uh, it's just that the movie's worth seeing just for his his uh 
his portrayal of of Zhukov. Yeah, I think that's on Netflix. I might have to queue that up as soon as that. That's another one I've been wanting to watch. So it's pretty terrible uh, as far as how how. I mean, there's not a lot of gore and blood, but it's just showing the remorseless violence of the Soviet state. But uh, uh, I feel terrible laughing at it all, because it's really funny in places. But uh, I, I think I probably don't laugh nearly as much as the filmmakers intended. But uh, the uh, but Zhukov just he's just perfect. Jason Isaacs plays the, just plays the plays him to the to the hilt. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well. You know, sometimes you know, sometimes you gotta yeah, laugh through the pain, right? Speaking of something that's painful for some people, <laughs> is yeah, I know two, I'm gonna get a lot I, of hate mail, if, if but you know, if if there is a movie that's gonna that is there, there is definitely. You know, I hate to use this term, but there is a line on this movie, and it seems to be you either absolutely. Love it, or you completely and totally. See, I am in neither, and I'm I'm with you though. I am. With I'm you not really a, a fanatic. I I like it for probably reasons that are not normal. A, I'm a cinematography nerd. Um, I it, any movie, even even if it's not, uh, even if you don't like the plot or the the characters, if a movie's really well shot, I'm a sucker for it. You know. Um, which is why I can like a movie like Sucker Punch that is like visually beautiful, even though the story is dreck, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I also, it's, and, and, and calm down before anybody jumps on me. It is kind of a more modern version of a bridge too far in that every Hollywood star alive when that was being shot seems to be in it. Um, and, and sometimes enormous stars are in it for like 30 seconds and to the point that you're like, what the heck? Like, was that just, was that just John Travolta? Like, you know, uh, but also I, I like too, that there's an undercurrent throughout the movie. First of all, it's about five hours too long. It's a really long movie. I, yeah. It could have been, I think in fairness, about 40 minutes shorter and been much more impactful, but one thing it did as it dragged on and on and on was it, I think it subtly reinforced the idea. I always got this feeling, especially towards the end of my deployments that, I mean, I really haven't done anything exciting for all nine or 10 months that I've been here. I've had about 30 seconds of sheer terror and the rest has been me like eating in the chow hall and playing Xbox, you know? I mean, that's yeah. and I think that Thin Red Line does a pretty good job of, especially in the beginning. I mean, I don't think there's any shots fired in anger for the first hour. I, I, I'm not sure, but yeah, I uh, I just I like that. I like that it's it just slowly drives home that this isn't war is not a video game. War is mostly file clerks and fuel dogs and you just being bored and like passing magazines back and forth. And every once in a while you're terrified for your life for about two minutes. And then it goes back to just boredom. Um, so I really, I really like that. And I also like that another thing I think it subtly drives home is that even in a, even in a conflict where 
there's a definite good guy and bad guy. There is definitely a capital E evil and a capital G good in this conflict. Even those guys on the side of good, it's it's easier than you think for them to go, I mean, what the hell are we doing here? This is BS. This is right. nonsense. What, like, A, our bosses are all clowns all the way up. B, why can't these people liberate themselves? You start to resent them, you know? Uh, I mean... It, there's a lot of that that I came away with, I think, a greater understanding of the film after I had deployed the first time. Um, so, and I know people hate it for various reasons, and especially because it's very slow. Um, but, uh, but I think I think that slowness can be a strength. Um, and like I said, be- beautiful visuals. When the violence happens, it's very well done. I think um, it's just. It's not very exciting in between. Uh, and then uh, there's several um, scenes of sanctimonious jerkbag new commanding officers standing up and giving the same speech to the troops you've always heard. And so I think that's kind of funny. Um, I think that for the last five minutes, you've, we've talked about what, about this movie very effectively, but I don't think you've actually said in red title. line. <laughs> If you if you have break into electric yeah, boogaloo, that's what I was talking. No, it's the it's yeah. the thin red line. <laughs> yeah, and it's the novel is exquisite, and yeah, the novel's great. I, and the movie is there's a lot left out of the out of the movie, but that's how it is. You you have to do that. Um, so. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely. I, I got no other other way to put it. It's it's definitely beautiful to look at, um, frustrating, and I totally get your point. And I, it, it's been a long time since I've seen it. I certainly haven't seen it since I deployed, and so I think looking back, I would get it more. So, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to uh, investigate that. Now, just to give give the listeners a peek behind the curtain, Dave Tubbs was going to be on the episode, but A, he showed up late, and... Oh, wait, does he have his mic working? Dave, are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, Welcome. Dave Tubbs, showing up late. There I am. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, I'll have your Article 15 in the mail. I was late. What's that, bud? So, I'll have your Article 15 in the mail. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, I, no, 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 no Missed movement. <laughs> well, let's let's go ahead and now that you've got your technical issue squared away, go ahead and real real quick run through your five, four, three, and two. Okay, five, four, three, and two. Well, oh man, I got here just for number one. That's yeah, I guess the best one to get here for. Um, but okay, as I'm looking through your list, uh, I'm glad I showed up because y'all picked really. Really shitty movies. Um, so I'll be here to provide some good movies <laughs> for your listeners. Uh, I guess Fury is a good one. Um, but okay, number five. Um, I am amazed that this isn't on here. Inglorious Bastards. Why didn't y'all pick that movie? Um, because we wanted the top five war movies, not top five revenge porn. Well, okay, hold up. I don't remember getting a a. a 
dissertation definition of World War II movie. Uh, how was Inglorious Bastards on well, a World War II movie? For my part, I just didn't want to watch well, a French if, girl wander around Paris for an hour. But that's that's just me. I have no problem watching <laughs> the French girl wander around Paris for an hour. But also, um, if you had well, if you had been here on time, yeah, um, you would have heard my soliloquy where I stated that, um. There are so many more movies that we could have on this list, yeah. but we've we've got a limited amount of time to discuss. So, yes, I I agree. Inglorious Bastards is a great movie. Um, it's not a great it movie. Is, it is that man's magnus opus. It is an art it, in and of itself. Yeah, I mean the thing is, it's it's more than one movie though, and I think that's maybe part of the greatness of it. Even better. That means I have two um, movies. For my top five picks, <laughs> two great World War Two movies. So, yeah, it's it's definitely. I I can't explain why it wouldn't be in my top five, except that there are just five movies that I like better. You like Enemy at the Gates better than Glorious Bastards. That is Nick's oh, choice, damn. not mine. Well, Nick, what's, what's what's wrong with you, man? Um, uh, I'm sorry, man. I think I think Tarantino peaked with Reservoir Dogs. I think we've had this conversation oh, man. before. I think, we have. I think we I have. I think we have. You picked. I I happen to think that Reservoir Dogs is his uh, best film also. I'm not even going to get into that. Um, I'm going to give up on that one. But yeah, number five in Glorious Bastards. I'm going to run through it pretty quick for obvious reasons. So I didn't put it higher because it is somewhat of a less traditional World War II movie. Um, but then again, so is number one for me. But um, number four, this is. This is a pool. It's a movie called Fires on the Plane. This is a World War II movie made in 1959, shortly after World War II, by a Japanese director, showing the Japanese perspective on World War II. And you can, as you can imagine, it is it's bleak. It's brutal. Um, the primary um, impetus for the film is a Japanese uh, infantryman trying to just find food. On an island, and <laughs> comparing that to the, the the opulence that the Marines have at the time, it's a it's a big motivator in the in the movie. Um, in the end, everything sucks and everybody dies, of course. But um, it's a it's I I very much enjoy watching traditional American wars movies, but from the opposite perspective, if that makes sense. And, sure, sure. and this is as close to that as you sure. can get, made by a guy who was alive during the time, providing that experience from the Japanese side. It's, it's, it's interesting. Sometimes we see it from the German side. The new, uh, there was a um, series on Netflix that did that recently. Y'all know what I'm yeah, talking I about? Yeah, I forget the name, but um, Generation War. Is that it? Yeah, that's it. That was, that was very good. Um... Number three, y'all don't have this either. What is going on with y'all? Uh, Dunkirk. Is there a reason y'all didn't provide Dunkirk on this list? I haven't seen it. You haven't seen Dunkirk? Oh, my God. How are you having a podcast about World War II movies and you haven't seen Christopher Nolan's, like, reinterpretation of World War II movies, man? Are y'all just sticking to, like, American stuff? No. So I, I have seen it. Seen it. Uh, I, I probably should have had you it should... in my top five. It's definitely a possibility. I got to tell you, though, I saw it probably in a, in a unique way. I saw it at the Alamo Draft House in Brooklyn, 
and I had with me not one or two or three, but four Brits with me. And they, it's funny, they started oh. crying from the opening credits. I've never seen four grown people <laughs> weep beside themselves for almost two hours straight. That's, it was the entire movie. And by the end, I mean, you know, it's like their Alamo and 9-11 rolled into one. So it was very emotional for them. Yeah. They, uh, it, it, was, it was quite an experience. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic, if somewhat confused at times, and very long. Um, when that came out, I went and saw it by myself at the movie theater, because um, my wife has a tendency to, to talk during the movie and ask me questions, and I, I could not handle that in a Christopher Nolan World War II biopic, you know what I mean? Um, but past that, I see someone's got Kelly's Heroes. Uh, I wish I was here for that one. Um Number two, The Dirty Dozen. I'm a sucker for this era of films, just like I'm a sucker for, you know, Kelly's Heroes and whatnot. This era of, like, World War II, half yeah. World War II yeah, comedies. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Dirty Dozen definitely fits that one. It was, uh, I, I honestly, when I think of World War II movie, I have generally two movies in my head. The Dirty Dozen and my number one. And they exist as, like, the pinnacle of World War II movies because these were the movies that my grandfather would be watching every Saturday during the day. When I was trying to get out to play or come in, he'd be watching one of these two movies or um, I guess the Godfather, 30 dozen, the Godfather and my number one pick. And uh, I guess because of that, they attached a lot of nostalgia to them, but um, 30 dozen is great, man. Talk about ensemble cast. Someone was just talking about an ensemble cast. Was that during Kelly's heroes? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but that's no, actually, thin red oh. line. Oh, yeah. Well, Kelly's Heroes had an ensemble, cast. but Kelly's Heroes, yeah, definitely. Also, I mean, yeah, but um, yeah, okay, so yeah, that's me caught up. I'm here just for number one, okay. <laughs> well, first, we got our listener comments from Twitter and Facebook, so we'll run through those pretty quick. There's some interesting takes on here. Uh, former guest in front of the show, Simon Tonkis, uh, says on Twitter, favorites are Battle of Britain. Dam Busters, Bridge Too Far, Das Boot, The German Stalingrad, Conspiracy. Oh, Conspiracy is excellent. It's exquisite. I almost put it on my list. Um, have you guys I seen Conspiracy? You're going to have to refresh my memory. It is... It is a... It is a retelling of the Wannsee Conference, where the Germans basically established the bureaucratic apparatus for the final solution. Ooh. Oh, you know what? I just put that on my Netflix list. Yep. Yeah. It's got Stanley Tucci and Kenneth Branagh and it is gut wrenching and it perfectly illustrates the banality of evil. And it's, it's well worth a look. Um, okay. Uh, Ice Cold and Alex. I'm, I'm not sure if that's Alexandria or something. Uh, probably a Brit movie. Uh, Dunkirk, uh, the Memphis Bell. Uh, he's saying the 1944 oh, yeah. documentary, not the later film. His uh, least favorite, because I asked for their least favorite, also is uh, Battle of the Bulge. He says it beats all comers for worst film. I don't know Battle of the Bulge. I mean, I know we should that. mention about uh, Battle of Britain that it was one of Ian McShane's very first roles. He was like 19 at the time. Oh yeah. Yeah, he's he's spectacular in his 
himself. <clears throat> okay. Uh, moving on, uh, on the Twitter, someone who calls himself maybe later or at Allen three, two, five, seven, five, uh, says his favorites are bridge too far. The big red one, Dave, uh, uh, Oh yeah. Um, that, that, uh, he, he beat me to it. That's my number one. And not really though. No, not really. Uh, you already had that joke on our favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I couldn't do it again. Yeah. Uh, and Patton says he's not sure. It's actually not his... a very good movie. He's wrong. <laughs> hey, it says favorite, not, not best. And then he says, not sure about my least favorite. Carl Lothian says his favorite is also the Big Red One. And says he would have to agree on least favorite being Battle of the Bulge. Um, let's see. Legendary Noise Machine, which which is a great which is a great hand handle for Twitter, and also be a, a great speed metal band name. Uh, he says he loves top faves episodes, so go team. Oh, yeah. Uh, his favorite is Battle of Britain. His least favorite is Battle of the Bulge and Thin Red Line. He's <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> and he adds, still don't know how either end. <laughs> we should tally these up. See and, then he, and then he then he followed up with, even those crappy 1960s Italian World War II movies with Patton's and M113s are better. Brutal. Brutal. Okay, switching over to... The Facebook. Uh, Sal Clarino gives us a nice list. Saving Private Ryan, unless Band of Brothers can be counted as a movie. Das Boot, Letters from Iwo Jima, which is an excellent film. Enemy yeah, at the great. Gates, and Memphis Bell, but he doesn't specify. I'm presuming he means the Matthew Modine movie, which I do like. Um, friend of the show, Christoph Godel Pavlik. Uh, friend of the show because he sent me a delicious Zacher tort uh, last Christmas. Uh, the Longest Day is great. I agree with you there. Jonathan Yingling, named after a wonderful beer. Uh, it says, Historically Das Boot, Hollywood slash Gaming, Kelly's Heroes, Least Favorite Pearl Harbor. I gotta agree to that. I want to add another Least Favorite, U571, outside of the S-boat leaking, nothing there was realistic. Timothy Tynan says, If HBO series don't count, favorite is Bridge Over the River Kwai. Although an anti-war movie, it is a great psychological battle between the British and Japanese. If series count, then my favorite is Band of Brothers. Worst World War II movie of all time, Pearl Harbor. A terrible war movie saddled with a romantic horror story. <laughs> 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 Only in a subpar war movie would two fire, fighter pilots be transferred to fly medium bombers. Uh, John Steed says his favorite would have to be The Longest Day, assuming that Band of Brothers doesn't count. Worst by a country mile is Pearl Harbor. And I don't know if this is a typo or because he spelled Harbor H-A-R-B-O-O-U-R. So maybe he's making a pun there with Boer. Uh, Jonathan Yingling gave us a little bit of a tally. He's saying Pearl Harbor with three no votes leads the way. Um, intermittent co-host Chris Arnold, also known as Not Jay in other Wargaming podcast circles. I've always loved Patton, even with all its historical inaccuracies. Pearl Harbor is up there for least favorite. Uh, one of the very first guests, Pat Gilliland, says too many favorites along the less among the less among the less well known. April 9th, German invasion of Denmark, resisted by bicycle unit. Ed and Smotri, come and see young Russian partisan. The Gray Zone, Jewish rebellion in Auschwitz. 
Grave of the Fireflies, a Japanese boy and his sister survived the Tokyo Fire Raids. That's an anime also. Um, oh my god. How depressing is that? That's worse than my fire yeah. on a plane. One. Uh, the light. Yeah. Have y'all seen that? I have not actually. So, and then it's um yeah bad. I mean it's good. It's just yeah brutal. Um, and then he adds in some not World War Two movies. So we'll just skip over those because I corrected him later. Um, worst is another vote for Pearl Harbor, but only because I will never see U five seven one. It does have some great visuals, but Tora 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 did it better with real planes. Uh, but up 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 up. Uh, and then finishing up Facebook, Neil Molden says, everyone keeps missing out the great non-English language films. I concur. Well, sorry. Um, there are at least three great Finnish films. The German Stalingrad film, which I did mention. The French film about the Gomes. Sorry, I can't remember the names of them all. Also, I remember a Chinese film I watched set in post-World War II period. Oh, I nearly forgot the Korean film Brothers. I have heard of that, but I haven't seen it. So... So interesting takes from from the listeners. Uh, yeah, I, I think for future top faves, uh, I'll throw that out to the listeners again. I think that I think that worked out well. So to the listeners who contributed, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Um, uh, Dave, another another aspect of the top faves shows uh, is the oh, let me hit the notifications real quick. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, oh, real quick, back to Twitter. Um. Yep. Real quick, uh, we've got a last-minute entry from Grant Miller on Twitter. He says, Sirius Saving Private Ryan, Das Boot, Stalingrad, Tora, Tora, Tora. Fun, Kelly's Heroes, Dad's Army. Um, Dad's Army is a, a set in World War II in Britain. It was originally a TV show that they recently made into a movie, so maybe that's what he's mentioning. His honorable mentions are, Is Paris Burning, Battle of Britain, Patton, and A Bridge Too Far? So... Uh, Mr. Tubbs, as I had mentioned earlier, or as I was starting to mention before I got sidetracked by Twitter yet again, that's what Twitter does, by the way, it sidetracks you, um, a recurring theme in the top phase with Dave's are, is the Stump J segment. I'm going to presume that since you didn't add your show notes until you were literally on yeah. air with us, <laughs> that uh, you don't have a Stump J today. Oh no, I got it. I've always got. I've, I've got a. I got a, a wellspring of stump jays. Um, you could have me on every show, and I can okay. provide you a stump jay. Um, Nick, Nick, do you have? You still have some time to do a do stump jay? All right, stump jay. Ready for this? Okay, I'm gonna take this. You were that last one kind of got me, kind of rattled me, to be honest. In fact, the, you could. <laughs> So easily come up with models for the emu, the great emu war in Australia, put me on the on the back foot. So I'm going to take combat off of the land and into the sea a bit, and I'm going to say, name me a manufacturer for some models, not just for the English side, but also for the Argentinian side of the Falklands War. I would imagine GHQ has them. I really don't like you right now. DHQ? GHQ. Golf Hotel Quebec. Um, under their Micronauts line. Um, they probably have Argentines. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do. Their website's kind of a nightmare to... Send me a link to the website that you're talking about. Uh, their sure. website's kind of a nightmare to... Uh, I found something, but I'm not sure what you're talking about. 
Do, 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 do. Micronauts, modern 124-hundredths. Ooh, well, British. They've got British for sure. And not knowing enough about... Ex- I would bet a lot of the Argentine stuff was American anyway. Like maybe World War II era. Um, so it would they would definitely have the Brits. Quite frankly, I don't know enough about... See nav war maybe. Let's take a look at nav war. This might this might come to fruition. If if you don't know enough about the Argentinian side, I think we can admit that that's kind of unfair. I could make up any random war about like the Burmese war, and you didn't know what kind of equipment they used. I will say that we can amend the stump J rules where you can do a single internet search for what the Argentinian side. Uh, nav war has them. Damn it. This is their their one three thousandth scale line. They've got the General Belgrano, for example. Nice. Um. So yeah, I, I would presume they've got British also. Um. Let's see. Probably under UK, maybe. Germany, Great Britain. There it is. Yep. Yep. Navwar. Navwar.co.uk. Um, GHQ let me down, but Navwar with the with the save. Okay, where on now? I, I have to verify this. So where on what? Where on Navwar are we looking for this? Go to navwar.co.uk. Okay, yeah. navwar.co.uk. Yep. And then you look at let's see, um, one three thousand scale on the left. Yep. And then modern warships. You need to. Oh man, it's the first one that pops up, isn't it? Yeah, right at the top, baby. Alphabetical. Woohoo! And then you got to go to like the second page for Great Britain. Damn. I win. Although, in in your defense, I wasn't a hundred percent sure where to find it, but we did get there pretty quick. Damn it. Okay, I I'll, I'll I hold on. With the- I'll hold on to my next ones. <laughs> Uh, okay. I'm going to go really obscure next time. I mean, Falklands is fairly mainstream. I figured if we took it out, if we took it into the water, that might be an issue. But now that I know that your knowledge of miniatures extends to all theaters and all types of warfare, we're going to get, we're going to get crazy next time. We're going to go underground, maybe. Maybe, maybe space. All right. Oh. (laughs) We'll figure it out. Extra dimensional. Fair enough. Now. Gentlemen, I think without further ado, I think we should go ahead and get into our top, our number one choice. Or do we want to do honorable mentions first? Do we want to do honorable, our honorable mentions or do we want to do our number ones? I love you, bud. Yeah, I, I, ha- Nick, I have, no, have, I have no opinion on that. Let's do our honorable mentions real quick. We'll, we'll go out on a bang. We'll go out with our number ones. And... Uh, we'll do our honorable mentions. Uh, Dave, go ahead. And I've got an interesting history with your first honorable mention. Um, but go ahead. Well, yeah, I didn't, um, this is really, I am really stretching the line of World War II movies. This is more of a, um, a movie where World War II is like the, the character, the back, the main character in it. You know what I mean? Um, but my first honorable mention is Schindler's yeah. List. 
Now, great movie. Um, I'm I don't have much to say about Schindler's List except it's a fantastic movie. It'd probably be one, two, three in my list if it were a an actual proper World War II movie. Um, everybody's seen it. Everybody agrees it's a seminal work. Um, what to say about it? But why you haven't seen it? Uh, so I'll toss it back to you, Jay. Tell us what your history with it is. Um, it was in theaters when I was in jump school. Uh, I went to see it. It is. And I can't imagine anybody listening to this podcast has not seen it, so I don't need to describe what a what a gut wrenching experience it is. And I've seen it that once. I've not seen it since. And I will see it one more time when I sit down with my children to watch it when I think that they are sufficiently mature enough to handle it. Yeah. And then we'll we'll talk about what evil is, and that evil exists in this world, and it's not a. And it's not an abstract concept. It is a very real thing. And uh, Schindler's List uh, illustrates that um, rather depressingly. But it is it is an excellent piece of filmmaking. It is, um, you know, it, it's, it's the adage that every war movie is an anti-war movie uh, brought to brought to uh, its horrific end. Right. But now moving on to a much more positive movie. And I agree with you because I love this movie, but go ahead. Yeah. Casablanca, man. Um, I always, in my youth, I had a, I had, I, I stayed away from black and white movies. I really did. Um, I mean, Schindler's List is black and white movie too, I guess. But I saw that when I was young. But I stayed away from the older stuff. I don't know why. Um, just because I was a, young guy who just didn't have time and wanted to watch movies like Fury and and other nonsense. But uh, I had a girlfriend in college and she insisted that we sit down and watch it. And I, it, it turned me around altogether on, on even that school of, of movie. And I realized that I really enjoyed that movie. I don't know. Casablanca is a, it's a classic. Who doesn't love Casablanca? I bet Nick doesn't love Casablanca. No, I love it. Like and I was going to say, this, this is, this is, I've, I've, I keep forgetting to mention them as we go through them. This is probably the fifth or sixth movie that we've gone over that the Simpsons did a pretty sizable joke about. <laughs> uh, fair. Um, no, it's a great movie. Um, I don't know what to say about it, except it's not again in my, my top list because World War II is kind of a, the backdrop to the movie instead of a movie about World War II. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I keep introducing these long pauses. All I right. apologize. Um, That's all right. I can add yeah. it in the post. No, Casablanca, fantastic film. Anybody that, that doesn't agree with me can text Jay at whatever his Twitter account is for this. Um, I haven't been up to my Twitter antics lately. How's our, how's our fight with the British? That's former former soldier fight player on Twitter is is who yeah. you want to send your. I haven't uh, checked that in so long. <laughs> so you want to I'm gonna log into that and mess with those British guys again. Um, but yeah, Gasblanc, a great film, and the next one's because I really hadn't thought about honorable mentions, and I had to fill them in real quick while I was waiting. Was um, Big Red One, Big Red One, Big Red One? Hell yeah! All hail the army's favorite son. That's right. But yeah, I think everyone knows I really. What's that? That's right. <laughs> no, go ahead. I I, I fully endorse yeah, um, any type of unit based history. I, um, history I fully audits. recognize 
I don't know why some people think that that movie is very good because it is not. Uh, Mark Hamill is not very good in it. But again, I, I'm honor bound because it shows them storming Omaha Beach, man, with the with the with this big red one on the shoulder. So I got him. I got to at least pretend, you know, it's like the um, Army Marine rivalry. I've got to I feel obligated to at least participate in some way, even if it's half hearted. And. Um, but there it is. Fair enough. For those for those who might be listening, for those who might be listening to a top phase with Dave for the first time, Dave and Nick, excuse me. Um, Mr. Tubbs Ooh. was a member of the. First Infantry Division at one point in his life, aka the Big Red yep, One, because their patches a Red One. So, moving right along, my my honorable mentions are uh, for the Weird War stuff with, that doesn't get nearly enough uh, press, and uh, Nick kind of dips into it a little bit. But Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Keep. Uh, the keep is just fantastic. Lots of Nazis getting killed. You gotta like that. Raiders of the Lost think, Ark, same thing. You gotta like that. I was gonna say, I think um, saying that's a bit of more of a stretch to say Raiders of the Lost Ark is a World War II movie. But I feel like Nazis make an appearance. They're the bad guys. Nazis die. I'm all about it, man. Last Crusade too. They're they're the bad yeah. guys. Yeah, I don't like that one though. No, I hear you. I'm with you. I I just don't I just don't like that one. And it definitely is a stretch for Raiders of the Lost Ark to be a World <laughs> War II movie because it, it's set in like 36 or something like that. and You've really got to stretch your definition of World War II to include the, the Japanese, you know, creeping around mainland China. But uh, now very few comedies like actual set out to be a comedy comedies are are often or are very rarely mentioned on these lists, I should say. But I'm going to go ahead and put 1941 in Biloxi Blues on there. Um, Neil Simon, God rest his soul, recently died, uh, the author of Biloxi Blues. 1941, ah, so many issues with that movie, but it, if you just watch it for for being a fun movie, it's, it's pretty good. And then um, one movie that is underappreciated is A Midnight Clear. It's set during the Battle of the Bulge and basically is... It's the story of a single scout platoon that has been dwindled down to bare bones through uh, through the war, and just a, a look at the importance of brotherhood in small units. And it's it's really well done, and and it's one of those things where it's it's got a lot of people in it that weren't stars yet, but would become stars. It's got Gary Sinise in it, for example. Uh, Frank Whaley's in it. Not that he was ever a star, but uh, see who else? Kevin Dillon. Wait, um, who's that first guy you mentioned? Gary Sinise. Yeah, I haven't heard of Gary Sinise in so long. I just found it striking that you uh, referred to him as a star. Um, well, what happened? You know, he does a lot of uh, USO yeah. stuff nowadays, like Fisher House type stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh. Lieutenant Dan Band. Yeah, Gary. I, mean, I, I forgot what Gary Sinise so, looks like. Yeah, looks like. Yeah, that's Gary Sinise. Yeah, he he looks like Lieutenant Dan. Oh, Lieutenant Dan, that's right. So, yeah. So moving past uh, 
moving past Dave's ignorance. Uh, Nick, your honorable mention. So sir. twelve o'clock high. I mentioned earlier. I like I like those movies that were made right after the war, and they used planes or equipment mm-hmm. that was used in battle. They use, a lot of those guys on the airstrip. In a, in a ton of those scenes where they're coming back all smoking and, and shot up and a bunch of them are wounded in their seats, you know, a, a lot of those guys on the airfield and in the, in those crews that, that played bit parts, those were really the guys that, that were in those bombers. So, uh, even if you don't mm-hmm. like the story, uh, I think it's interesting just as a, as, as an historical, uh, oddity or, or whatever, ind- indication of that time that that's back when you could have, I mean, we don't really have that with our war, you know. There's no, there's not a, there's not a bunch of movies about Iraq with a, with a bunch of GWAT vets, you know. So that's just that's interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I put Captain America just because it's it's that's a backdrop. It's not really a World War II movie. I mean, a lot of the action takes place, but I like a I like a movie about a historical event that I can get my kids into, and they're not going to learn a new swear or see, see something naked, you know? So that's a, that's a good safe thing for, I think very, very tentatively getting a, a, a little kid into asking, well, what, what, why were, why were they fighting these guys, daddy? You know? Um, right. I was trying to think of a joke about all the gratuitous nudity that I saw in Captain America, but it just wouldn't come man. Um, it might be too early. That might be in the version that you see in your dreams, but, uh, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, no. uh, there's a great uh, again, like like I said. So expat here, I get European Netflix, so I get access to a, a disappointingly small swath of American movies, but I get access to a ton more foreign movies. So I've actually been watching a lot of foreign movies lately. This one called Max Manus, Man of War, I think was released in the states under a slightly different name, and it was cut a little differently. I want to say. Um, it's about the Norwegian resistance in World War II, um, and I didn't think that I would like it. I put it on late one night when I didn't want to go to bed yet. I just wanted to see – I just wanted to watch something for a few minutes. I ended up watching the whole thing and went to bed at like 3 in the morning, but uh, it's really good. I'd, I'd recommend it. A lot of people don't like watching movies with subtitles. Even when I watch movies in English, I watch with subtitles. Yeah. And my ears are so bad, so that doesn't bother me so much. Um Walking with the Enemy is another foreign film, although if I recall correctly, it's in English, but uh, it, might not, it might not even be a foreign film, but it's set in um, Hungary, and it's about a bunch of Hungarian Jews that uh, at first they're committing I get, essentially like passport fraud to get their family and friends uh, out of you know German death camps, and then eventually they graduate into... Uh, they they basically steal some Nazi uniforms and start kind of infiltrating the SS and it's really really good movie I liked it a lot I haven't heard anything about it before I saw it on European Netflix here so maybe it just slipped my radar and it was huge and I just never heard of it but I'd recommend it um, Hacksaw Ridge I don't think I even need to get into I've never met anybody that saw it that didn't like it uh, I. I've never seen Hacksaw. It's uh, so it's. Nor I think I. it's Eastwood did it, but it's um, it's the kid who. No, no, Eastwood. Oh, it's, what? okay, uh, right. It's uh, it's a it's an army. 
Oh yeah, he's an army medic. He's and uh, he he registers as a conscientious objector because he doesn't. He's like a Seventh Day Adventist. Um, and they try to kick him out, and he you know, he says, hey, how, "How about this? I'll be a medic." And instead of giving him a court martial, they so, like basically his colonel takes pity on him and says, "Okay, fine." It ends up saving like dozens of people. Uh, you know, true, true. I know it's dangerous to say this based on a true story because that can that can mean a broad range of things. But but based on a true story, um, Unbroken, same thing. Ba- based on a true story, this one was, I believe, Anna Jolie directing. It was about the uh, was about an Olympic uh, an Olympic distance runner who got uh, captured. Another prisoner of war camp uh, movie. Jay, like we were talking about earlier. Um, and basically how he just kind of wins this moral, uh, battle of wills, I guess, against, uh, against their, their captors. Uh, I had Dunkirk in my honorable mentions, but then Dave put it on his top five. So we don't need to go into it, uh, anymore. I just, boom, dumped on you. Boom. Yep. I, I like, I would like to reemphasize though, go see it with a bunch of British people. It's that's, that's just something else. And then, uh, the, the railway man. Um, again, I've been out of the States for a couple of years, so maybe this was bigger than I was aware of. I hadn't even heard of it until I saw it just scrolling through Netflix. It's got, um, Colin Firth. It's got one of the Skarsgård guys. I'm not sure if it's Stellan or Alex. Um, and then, uh, some other people, it basically, it's about a cat who was, a. they were British soldiers in, um, Burma in World War II and, and their whole unit got captured and thrown into uh, Japanese camps. Mm-hmm. And this guy was just mercilessly, brutally tortured. Uh, and it's kind of told in flashbacks. So it's a feel good movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a popcorn summer <laughs> popcorn blockbuster. Uh, but right. it's told in flashbacks and it's, uh, it's just brutal. It's just, uh, it's not definitely not a feel good movie, but I, he he basically he plots to go back because he finds out one of the guards in his camp. Oh, I made it made it at like they executed a lot of those guys for war crimes, right? They executed a ton of those guys for war crimes. He finds out that one of them's still alive, and he plans to go back and murder him. This is like twenty years later, and it's just about him planning to do that and and what happens, and and a lot of it's told in flash, but it's. It's beautiful, it's beautifully shot, it's beautifully acted, and it's just brutal to watch. I mean, you feel like you've been in a fight afterwards, but it's still a, it's a great movie. I'm going to have to go watch, I'm going to have to save this list to go watch all these movies. All right. Well. Well, I'm definitely going to do, I was going to suggest, Jay, yeah, you should put uh, some of the listener suggestions in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Absolutely, I will. Um, just a tremendous list of films. You've got weeks and weeks of viewing if you have the time, but. Let's be honest. You should be uh, painting miniatures in the meantime, or doing. Or I actually, doing can paint miniatures while watching a movie. That ha- that works out pretty nicely. <laughs> well, well, while while painting your miniatures. So, all right. So, without any further ado, our top World War II movies starting. And I gotta say, there is not a bad movie on our five on our top five list. Um, our personal number ones could have any one of these films could have been my number one. Uh, absolutely. And, uh, 
<laughs> we'll we'll just take it from there. All right. I said without further ado, but I added a bunch of ado. So anyway. Mick, uh, if you this would, is please. such an easy answer, we almost don't even need to discuss it. Saving Private Ryan. Um, especially that just gut-wrenching, violent, loud, frenetic first about 20-minute scene where they're storming the beaches. Yeah, I um. I can't uh, think of D-Day the, without picturing Steven Spielberg's depiction of it. Yeah. Oh, that, that's just... That, that, that one scene is just seared into, I think, everybody our age and probably 20 years either direction. You can't... Well, I mean, maybe younger kids nowadays. I don't want to lapse into get off my lawn, shaking my fist at clouds, you know, old man talk. But, I mean, maybe the younger kids don't... Maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't seen it, but, to, I mean... You have to, you have to have seen this movie if you if you grew up any any time around when we did. Um, I, I just I can't and and this is this was kind of Tom this was kind of Tom Hanks's milk run because he did this right before pitching Band of Brothers to HBO if I'm remembering correctly. So right. this was his kind of learning how to make a World War II movie before he then went out and he and uh, Stephen Ambrose made uh, Band of Brothers. Right. Well, and and Dale I should die. say, like, like every other movie in this list, Dale Die features in it uh, because that's the law when you're making a World War II movie. But he, uh, I think he plays Colonel Sink in this movie, if I'm not uh, mistaken, but uh, <laughs> the the uh, such a stupid joke. But he, um, I like that. I see we we if you grew up watching these like I did, like like clearly you guys did as well. You're used to the it's so done that it's almost cliche. The the small squad of like kids from. There's a guy from Brooklyn. There's a guy from like Poughkeepsie. There's a guy from California yeah. who's kind of a proto surfer. There's a, a there's yeah. a guy from like Opelika, Alabama. Uh, there might be a black guy from Harlem. Guy. Yeah, there's a super religious guy. There's the there's the yeah there's the Jewish kid. There is the guy who he just wants to be an artist or a poet, and he's riven with inner tragedy. You know, I mean, all, there's all of these characters that. You you just shoehorn in when you're making a World War II movie, and this this kind of did the same thing, but they did it the best that it's ever been done. So you can't really fault them for being cliched. I love, I just adore Barry uh, Barry Pepper as the uh, scripture quoting sniper. Uh, this was, to my knowledge, this was Vin Diesel's first real on, like big on screen role. Um, uh, excuse me, um, Triple X. Um, I, that... I don't know enough about Vin Diesel. Good Vin Diesel jokes, damn it. <laughs> ah. You got what was that? I mean, <laughs> this is Tom Sizemore before he went insane. This is, I mean, there's it, it, it I can't think of a sour note at strikes and. I think the one thing I could have done without was the story about the with the story Matt Damon tells about the last night he and his brothers were together. That felt a little contrived to me, but other than that, the entire movie was fantastic. Um, and I think it's just required. If I may be honest about 
that, I think it's just required viewing, and that's I have nothing more to say about it. I was going to add on to that that I sometimes worry that I will go back and watch that movie after a number of years and find it did not keep not track with the time. You know what I mean? That it that it won't have aged well. That it won't have been. Yeah, that it won't have been timeless. But because of what you what you talked about earlier, those tropes that get used and the brothers and thinking about it, there are a lot of long leering shots that are meant to just force you to feel a certain way. And that last scene where Tom Hanks morphs or like Matt Damon morphs into old Matt Damon. Yeah. I, um, I worry that in the end it will come off as, it won't be like it was when I saw it in theater. It'll, you know it'll, I mean? it'll seem hacky this far after. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's such a good movie. I don't think that'll happen, but I am, that, that sticks back there in the mind, in the brain place. And this Maybe. is another one of those uh -oh, movies, too, where a lot of big names have tiny little parts. Like Ted Danson is on, uh, yeah. uh, Paul Giamatti is on screen oh, for like two seconds, Danson. you know. Who's Paul Giamatti? Paul Giamatti's in that movie? Yeah. 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 He's just a oh, random, some random squad guy. leader that takes him into, uh, takes him into town when they're, they're approaching some French village. Oh yeah, you're right. Is that, is that where Vin Diesel whips it, bites and it? This was. Uh, he's got a yeah. He's that's when they get ambushed by that sniper. Later, it later like has a rock in his shoe or something, and he's taking he's taking his boot off, and then they get ambushed by that German uh, that German squad. That's not a guy you yeah. see in in war movies very often. But maybe we should. We need more war movies starring Paul Giamatti. I have a I have a friend who looks exactly like Paul Giamatti. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. I didn't realize that there were Rangers yeah. in that movie. Yep. I didn't realize. Yeah, apparently that. weren't paying attention because they only mentioned it like 30 times. Apparently, Teenage Me, I've seen the movie a hundred times, but I, I've not seen that little, little diamond on their shoulder. I'll be damned. Yep, yep. All right. Yep. Dave, you're number one. Number one, I alluded to when I spoke about the Dirty Dozen. Um, I say um a lot. I need to cut that That's out. All right. I'll fix it in post. <clears throat> My number one, I'm I alluded to when I, I spoke about the Dirty Dozen. It is one of a, a couple that my grandfather used to watch on TV because apparently it played every Saturday morning on TNT or USA. And um, it's Dirty Dozen and its counterpart, The Great Escape with Steve McQueen. Uh, hello. Is somebody talking back there? Are they? No. Oh, I thought I heard something. Um, sorry. Uh, um, the Great Escape, Steve McQueen. I cannot express the level of nostalgia and that is a, that I have attached to this movie. That might be why I have it as number one. I'm not sure. I watch this movie. At least I sit down special to watch it once a year and just really enjoy it from the the weird, cheesy little tune they play throughout the movie. Um, all the way to Steve McQueen bouncing that baseball. I used to sit down. I, I After watching that movie a couple of times with my grandfather, I went and found a place where I could have my glove and a baseball and bounce it off the floor against the wall into a glove. Now, it was outside against a shed and concrete, so it tore up my baseball. But that movie influenced my life more than a movie should to the point where when I was looking to buy a motorcycle, my only option was a Triumph Bonneville because that's what Steve McQueen rode in The Great Escape. It's a 
fantastic movie. Everyone's seen, although it is getting kind of old, so not maybe not everyone has seen it. If you haven't seen it, I highly suggest going to see it. It's a it's the prototypical POW World War II movie. It's not laden with brutality and, and grim dark like movies kind of are now. It's not it's not fury. It's more mm-hmm. comedic than than gritty, but it's classic in a way that's it's hard to escape. And it's all about this, I guess they're primarily English officers trying to escape from this one POW camp that was built specifically to keep everyone that tries to escape. And the movie mm-hmm. sets it up quick. They have a quick monologue in the beginning that describes the purpose of this camp to keep the hard to keep prisoners. And during the opening credits, there are at least three escape attempts from at least three. I know two guys jump in the wagon leading out. It's from the beginning to the end. It's nothing but these people trying to escape in, in humorous and in interesting ways. Great movie. Go see it. Steve McQueen. Uh, I won't. I won't ruin the ending, I guess. But um, yeah, good movie. Fantastic movie. Yeah, it's 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 a great movie. That's there's no way around it. It's a great movie, and I'd be highly surprised if if there is someone amongst my listeners that has not seen it to be honest with you so my number one and you can i'm, I'm not sure dave if if you get the the same thrill out of it that maybe nick and i do yeah. being a dirty nasty yeah. leg Ugh. but yep. bridge too far it's the it's the airborne movie it's it's Probably well, it's well for one thing. It shows an actual from exit to landing, what a static line parachute jump is like, and the uh, there's it's it still hasn't been done better than that. Um, because you hear the guy go oof when he lands, and that's what you do. You go oof. You don't just kind of gingerly land on the balls of your feet, and then you just kind of lie down like they show in Band of Brothers, but. I said a lot more than oof. Yeah. <laughs> At a minimum, you say oof, and then that F sound just continues on to something else. Um, now, Bridge Too Far stars everybody. Um, it's the true story of Operation Market Garden. Empty. What's that? I said the sky was empty. Because yeah. all the stars were in the movie, Jay. I got you. I'm picking up. Whatever. Whatever. I'm picking up. Yeah. Dave, Dave Barry once said that every Hollywood actor ever born was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just a and tremendous movie. What's up? No, I was going to say, I'm looking at the cover, and it is, in fact, just a series of pictures of the, the actors. So I imagine uh, it was full act, full start. I've never seen it, so I don't know. Yeah. It What? I've never seen a bridge before, ever in my life. Oh man, I know. Um, so many great moments in that movie. So many great lines. It's got James Con for crying out loud. It's got Elliot Gould. It's got Jimmy to his friends. Yeah, it's That's got Sean Connery. Uh, you know, so Sean Connery's in it for crying out loud. Gene Hackman, oh, Lawrence yeah. Olivier, Lawrence Olivier. Uh, Lawrence Olivier is in this movie. Robert yeah. Redford. It's just spectacular cast, and it's a spectacular movie, and it and it shows just how disappointing, just just how disappointing 
things can be when, you know, saner minds don't prevail and, you know, caution gets thrown to the wind and yeah, there's, there's something to be said for audacity and there's something else to be said about, you know, reassessing your situation in the light of new information. But no, it's, it's a tremendous film and everyone should watch it. And I can't say enough good about it. So anyhow, Anthony uh, Hopkins in it. Yeah. We could have a a running gag naming the people in the movie. Yeah, it, it's got a it's got a great moment with Anthony Hopkins, and it's probably one of my favorite favorite moments in any movie. Um, he's a British British Airborne Battalion commander, and he, they're holed up on the the town side of a major bridge, and at Arnhem, and there's this German flunky comes comes across the bridge waving a white flag, and um his XO actually talks to the dude and uh, he says, uh, says to Hopkins, uh, he wants to talk about surrender and Hopkins says, <laughs> tell him to go to hell. And that guy comes back with, I'm sorry. We're just not equipped <laughs> to take you on as prisoners at the moment. Sorry. I'm sure I'm messing up the actual words, but this is just such a great moment. Right. We we haven't the proper facilities to take you all prisoner at this time. Yeah, That's what he yeah. tells yeah. <laughs> yeah, that German guy just goes, uh, I don't think he's getting the point. Yeah. Yeah. I it's, really it's, like, uh, there's a point when Sean Connery, they're trying to get him back across the river because they realize they're all about to be, his entire division's about to be cut off and his staff realize what a, like a propaganda victory it'll be for the Germans if they capture him. So they're trying to get him back across the river and he's kind of going along against his, like he doesn't want to leave his men, but you know, so, but they, uh, so it's him and like his, like his PSGs, right? Like, and, and like maybe his exec and they're going through a village and one of his guys gets shot and they, they just kick in the door to somebody's house and lay him on the table. And one of the medics is, is looking him over and a German, just a German foot soldier wanders through, glances in the kitchen window and keeps walking. And then you see him kind of stop and he goes, what did I just see? And then he looks back and Sean Connery shoots him in the face. <laughs> That's just a very awkward, like, wait a minute, what am I seeing? And then yeah. and they get discovered again. It's, there's a lot of good moments in that movie. The, uh, when, uh, when you when you when when one of one of the soldiers is talking to another one and he he says and they're talking about Robert Redford and I forget the character's name now off the top of my head but uh, they say uh, we we think he we think he broke his back on the jump and this guy's been walking around running around he's he's been ambulatory he's been running around directing his soldiers and they think he they think he might have cracked his spine when they landed I mean there's a there's a lot of really small but kind of poignant or impactful moments like that yeah this really spectacular really really spectacular though so well i think that uh i think we've we've uh come to a good end and you know it's all of these movies are great in their own way um there's not a bad movie on the list i gotta say um you know, gents, 
Uh, again, thanks for thanks for uh, coming in, coming on for uh, another top faves. Uh, any any last comments before we uh, before we sign off, Dave? Nick? No, I got nothing, man. Uh, thanks for having me on. Sorry, I was super late, dude. That's all right. But glad That's I could bring some good movies to this. For, yes. I do it for well, you. I do it for yeah, you. Thank you. We were, we were floundering without you. <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we did one of these, man. Yeah, I know. I know. And I'm glad to have the band back together. Oh, yeah. Okay, man. We're win On this that. <laughs> All right. Was thanks for having me, Jay. Yep. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for coming on, Dave. Always a pleasure. And those listening, you know, if, if you've got something else, if you've got something else to say, let us know. Um, and uh, we will uh, be uh, throwing another top faves together before too long, I'm sure. And exactly what that topic's going to be, I don't know. Uh, Nick, I've got something serious to talk to you about in in the near future. And we'll, I think I mentioned it earlier, but I, I do want to talk to you about mega cities and fighting in mega cities and what that's going to mean for real life and what we could do on our, on our game table for that. So I'm happy to that discuss that anytime. So on that note, as always, if the war game you're having isn't any fun, you make it fun. That is all. The veteran war gamer is copyright J Arnold 2018. Music courtesy of freemusicarchive.org. Full license details can be found at theveteranwargamer.blogspot.com.